This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 527 with Rachel Cook. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 527. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Bulldog Online Yoga. Try your first 30 days for free at bulldogonline.com and use the code SHAMELESS to get an additional 50% off your first paid month. That's bulldogonline.com, code SHAMELESS. An award-winning business strategist, host of the Promote Yourself to CEO podcast and best-selling author Rachel Cook is on a mission to end entrepreneurial poverty for women. Over the last 10 years, she's helped thousands of female entrepreneurs design predictably profitable businesses without the hustle and burnout that doing hashtag all the things inevitably accomplishes. In fact, Rachel is a sought-after speaker on entrepreneurship, marketing, and productivity, and has been featured by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, Forbes Coaching Council, Female Entrepreneur Association, and more. Her real passion, though, is supporting savvy, soulful women as they implement the strategy, systems, and support to uncomplicate their businesses so they can work less and live more. This was such a great conversation. We dug deep into juicy topics like gender roles and women in the workplace and women starting their own businesses and all the things. Rachel has a lot of big ideas just like I do, around women showing up in all the places and owning their worth and standing in their value and getting paid for it. So this was a fun conversation. I know you're going to learn a lot and I cannot wait for you to dive in with us. So listen in to hear Rachel dig into the concept of entrepreneurial poverty and why women and moms are especially susceptible, how mismanaging time by overgiving time uses all your precious energy for the things that matter most to you, the problem of hustle culture and how women fall so easily into it, boundaries around our different identities, employee versus mom versus woman versus business owner, how the pandemic has amplified hustle culture for women, her projections for women starting businesses in 2021, why moms actually have new and more opportunities for employment during this pandemic, how she and her husband have navigated Rachel being the breadwinner, how they have systematized their household to work for both of them, and the gift and importance of therapy now more than ever. 
This is a fun conversation. We went into so many deep and important and really significant places for this time that we are in. So I'm very excited for you to welcome Rachel Cook to the Shameless Mom Academy. Rachel, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled. You're part of the Angie True Blood Club slash cults, maybe I should say. I don't know. I feel like recently I've done so many interviews where I'm like, oh, I know you through Angie True Blood. And now here you are, another one. I know you through Angie True Blood. So we got connected through Angie, who has done podcast pitching for me and become a friend in the process. And I think that's kind of the same for you with Angie. Is that right? Yeah, actually, she worked with me in my accelerator program. That's right. Last year. And then as soon as we wrapped, I hired her. (laughs) I was like, you're just so brilliant. I need you on my team. So good. Yeah, she's amazing. I love it. So good. Yes, she's so fun. All right. So I want to know we're recording this in the middle of December in a pandemic. When we got on the call, I asked how you were and you with a big inhale and big exhale said you were okay. And we decided that it's a win to be okay in 2020. So (laughs) tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now in this very wild time that we're in. Yeah, I said I'm okay today because we just went into quarantine as we found out A family friend was diagnosed with COVID yesterday, who we saw on Tuesday. And oh gosh. So it's one of those like very real moments where it's like, it's okay, it's okay, we're fine, we can handle this. But wanting to be responsible and do the right things and take the right precautions and get our own testing done as soon as we're able to. And then, of course, as a business owner and as a mom, that also meant adjusting expectations around here because we're homeschooling our kids. My husband's managing that. So we had to adjust that whole process because now I'm working at home again, which is another adjustment from going into my office. So you were previously going into the office, but now that you're quarantining, you're back at home. Yep. So that is why we are okay. Okay. Back to that fun. (laughs) That is why we are okay today because it's like, we can handle this. We can do this. This is all fine. But anytime there's a disruption and you have to like change your normal rhythm, it always kind of brings up stuff, but yes, we can handle it. We can adapt and adjust and do the things we need to do. Yes. Yes. So is there anything you're excited about beyond quarantining for right now? (laughs) Beyond quarantining. I mean, honestly, I am pretty excited that we're going into the end of December because every year I plan to take a couple of weeks off. So I'm really kind of getting some bonus time, I guess, to have extra quiet. (laughs) Right. And being an entrepreneur who has a team that's working with me behind the scenes, like we really enjoy kind of having some quiet time Mm -hmm. to get creative again. I'm a total introvert, so I love my quiet time, but this is going to help me kind of get my juice back going into next year. I love it. I'm taking downtime very seriously this year. And I think this year more than ever, I think it's so, so important. I've been planning for my downtime in December since September because I think that we need to rest and recover. And we can't recover from 2020 in two weeks, by the way. But we need to do what we can to rest up because things are not going to magically be different on January 1st. We still have a bit of a haul in front of us for sure, I think. Absolutely. I'm really a fan of intentional downtime and rest. I think anyone who is ambitious or type A or kind of a go, go, go type of person, we have to make that such a priority in order to be able to continue to go at the pace we're used to going. Absolutely. Okay. And we're going to talk about that. I love that you bring this up because we're going to talk about the go, go, go and the hustle. And especially as it pertains to women and why we tend to push ourselves in those directions in a minute here. I want to step back a little bit. And you, one of the reasons I wanted you to come on the show, and one of the things I find really fascinating and to be true, is this concept that you talk about around entrepreneurial poverty, and especially as it relates to women. And so part of the reason we go, go, go is because we tend to be overgivers and we overgive for not very much money and we overextend ourselves without asking for a lot in return. And we think that that's just fine. And then we get real tired and cranky and resentful. (laughs) So can you talk about why you're so passionate about entrepreneurial poverty and ending it and obviously define what it means in the process? Yes. When I think about entrepreneurial poverty as it pertains to women, 
who are small business owners, I'm thinking of three ways that we are finding ourselves in this space. The first is the lack of time. Women have historically been the people who not only if you're working, you have, you know, obviously the time you're spending at work, but we also are usually the caregivers, usually the people who are keeping our home life running. And so it's not uncommon for women entrepreneurs to feel like they really have two or three full-time jobs, especially now if you're in the season of having to homeschool or deal with distance learning or whatever that looks like. You have the actual work you do for a living, and then you have the work of running your entire family. Mm -hmm. And now all this extra work that's been put on us. And this lack of time usually means it's coming at the expense of the time we need to take for ourselves, the time we need to invest in our own self-care, really making sure our needs are getting met. And this is why so many women are struggling with burnout right now. Yes. Yeah. And if you're reading the news right now, it's like the rates of depression are skyrocketing, anxiety is skyrocketing, sales of wine are way up right now. And it is because we are so depleted. We're not making the time for ourselves. And I think it's wreaking havoc on our health and our wellness and our emotional and mental well-being. So that's one huge area of the entrepreneurial poverty puzzle is the lack of time that filters into the lack of energy. If we're running out of time, we often don't have the energy that we really need in order to do the things we really want to do. (laughs) And if we are losing out on that, I see for so many of the women that I work with, They don't have the energy, which ultimately leads to they don't have the capacity to step into the next thing they really need to in their business. So for a lot of women, stepping into the next level of success in their business means going after more visibility. It means stepping into the growth zone, which is incredibly uncomfortable. (laughs) It means coming up against your own mindset challenges as you're growing in that way in your business. And if you don't have the energy to handle those things, you don't have the capacity to do those things. So we have to learn how to really tackle energy management in a whole new way. And of course, when we're talking entrepreneurial poverty, we're talking finances. We're talking about the actual revenue coming in for women-owned businesses. A report from American Express, they run a women in business report. I think the last one I have access to is 2019. And women own 44% of small businesses in the United States, but only make 4% of small business revenue. What? Like to me, this is just like, what's going on here? And so you start to dig into the numbers and you realize there was another a report done by FreshBooks and they compared invoices from women freelancers and small business owners to their male counterparts in the same industries doing the same types of work. And on average, women charge 28% less or earned 28% less. We see that most women entrepreneurs aren't making more than $50,000 a year top line revenue which would maybe be okay as a salary. But if you're a business owner, that has to go to operation expenses and taxes and all of these other things before you get paid. Right. So there's a huge number of women starting businesses. We've been starting businesses at record paces for years. The last 10 or 15 years, we've saw more women start businesses than really ever before. It's something like 1,800 women start a business every single day. Wow. It's amazing. And women of color are leading that charge. They are starting businesses faster than any other group. And by far, the women who do start businesses, the reason why they're telling researchers is they're looking for flexibility because a traditional workplace is not built for mothers. It's not built for being able to work on your time or from your home. I mean, we might see some of these things changing, but we also saw, what was it, 865,000 women leave the place in one month. Yes, I was going to bring that up. Go ahead. (laughs) Biggest reason is because they're not getting the flexibility they need. Right. And this is the biggest driver I see for women starting businesses is, yes, they need to support their families, but they need a workplace that allows them to handle the rest of our lives, like taking care of children, taking care of aging parents, having that flexible time, managing their own care. Like there's a lot of women who can't do a traditional nine to five because maybe they have some healthcare challenges or chronic health problems where a traditional job is not going to support them in that. 
So we're seeing this flood of women starting businesses. We're not seeing the revenue levels they should have. And I truly don't believe that it's because they're not smart enough. Women as a whole are overeducated compared to their male counterparts starting the same types of businesses. Mm -hmm. Almost every single time I walk into a room, I mean, we're talking last year when I walked into a room to give a talk. (laughs) Back when walking into rooms was a thing. (laughs) But even in virtual rooms, right? Like I would walk into a conference and talk to women and be like, raise of hands, who here has an advanced degree? And I mean, hands would go up. We are overeducated. We have the certifications. We have the trainings. We have the degrees far beyond the our male counterparts. It's not because we're not smart enough. And it's not because we can't do the work. You know, it, we are incredibly talented. It's because the systems are not set up to help us get the information that we need in order to really thrive. And I found this when I was starting my business. And then six months later, I found out I was pregnant with twins. Oh my gosh. And it was so hard. This was, I got pregnant in the beginning of 2009. And I could not find another woman who had a business like I wanted, who also had small children. The only people I was getting information from were other were men. And they didn't understand the challenges I was trying to come up against. I was like, but what if I want to breastfeed? How am I supposed to do what you're telling me to do when I got to be here nursing these babies every three hours? Mm hmm. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. 
you know, how do you do these things? And they had no concept. So I think I'm really grateful right now that there's podcasts like this and there's so many other resources out there for working moms who are trying to figure out like, how do we do this all? Because the way that is the kind of default is to do it like the guys, but we can't do it like the guys. We've got to find a different way that allows us to create more freedom in that time and that energy and that money. Right. It means we've got to do it like women. We got to do it a little differently. Right. Oh my gosh. You just said so many important things. I want to connect a couple dots that I think are really important. So when we talk about, we started off talking about entrepreneurial poverty, but we also touched on women leaving the workforce. And I think there's all this overlap of overgiving. And so you talk about when women create businesses, we overgive, we're overeducated, we overeducate ourselves constantly. Like we put all these rules on ourselves. Before I start my business, I need to get these certifications while I'm also working full time, while I'm also running the household, while I'm also homeschooling the children. And we put all of, create all these rules for ourselves where we're overgiving in every capacity. And then when we, for, so you brought up the point around in September, 865,000 women left the workforce. And I just today saw a statistic that right now we have the numbers around female employment are the lowest that they've been since the early 80s. And so now we have women leaving the workforce and they're leaving the workforce to go give energy in a place that they had already opted to not give energy. So people are, women are going back into their homes to give energy and not that we don't love our children and our households, but we were probably working because we on some level enjoyed being a part of a bigger system in society outside of our homes. And now we're back in our homes where we have to be giving in ways that maybe there's parts of it that we love. But I mean, I'll speak for myself. There's parts of it that I would not love for sure if I was to give up my work to be at home full time. So then we're back in a system of overgiving there. And then when we decide we want to build a business, we feel like, well, I've never done this before. So I have to overgive to prove myself. So it's this con in every aspect of our life, we're overgiving and using this really finite resource, our energy to overgive, overgive, overgive. And dudes just don't do this. Like it's just not on their radar. Like some of them might be like down for the hustle, but there's no conditioning around doing things that you don't like to support other people day in, day out for every single day of your life indefinitely. That's just not a thing. (laughs) Well, and there's been research too that like take when women approach going after a job they really want. Women won't apply for that job unless they're 100% sure that they are qualified. Whereas in general, most men would would apply for a job even if they felt they were only like 60 or 70% qualified. Yep. And I think this level of perfectionism Mm -hmm. is something that also really holds a lot of women entrepreneurs back, a lot of women who are career oriented back. Like we tend to create these reasons why we can't go after what we want. We create these obstacles to get in our own way because we want to be perfect about it. Because if we're going to do this, we have to be the absolutely most qualified. We have to have the most education, the most training, and then we'll pitch ourselves and send out that proposal at 28% less than the guy who is not as qualified, doesn't have as much education or training or experience. It's a big thing that we have to work through on an individual level and on a collective level. Like we need to to normalize women actually asking for support, asking for help, and getting out of our own way a little bit so that we can create more of a balance between what's really happening in the world. Absolutely. Before we move forward, I want to tell you about something special that I have to offer all of you who are business owners or maybe even aspiring business owners. But I know so many of you listening have a business and maybe you've recently started it or you've been at it for a while and you're feeling a little bit stuck. So I work with business coaching clients one-on-one for 90 days at a time. And I actually have a couple openings right now. So let me tell you what this looks like because it's one of my favorite things I get to do when I don't have the bandwidth or the space in my calendar to take on a lot of people, but I do have the space to take on probably two people this spring and maybe you might be the perfect fit. Maybe I might be the perfect fit for you. So when I work with people in their business coaching, we work together for 90 days. 
We start off with just identifying where you're at and what your current biggest obstacles are. We look at what your goals are for the upcoming year to really assess what are the first things you should focus on over the course of the first 90 days when we're working together. And what can happen then is that you gain clarity and you get some expertise. Remember, I've been building businesses for 18 years now. You get some expertise guidance to allow you to feel really confident in the steps that you're going to take. So over the course of 90 days, we meet six times one-on-one, all online on Zoom. And every single call, we go over where you're at, what's working, and then more importantly, what's not working, where are you feeling stuck, and how can we get you unstuck with really specific action steps. You leave every single call with about three action steps to take over the course of the next two weeks before our next call. So you don't have to sit and second guess yourself and figure out on your own why you might be stuck or why you feel like you can't get to a certain goal or why you keep hitting the same roadblock. The other piece of this is we do a lot of mindset work. And this is the most important part of being a business owner and being a leader is your mindset. If you don't have the right mindset, you will not be able to grow a business, scale a business, make the money you want to make, position yourself as a strong enough leader of a company or an organization or just a solo business that you're running unless you have all of the mindset work in the right place for you to show up as that confident leader and that person that really believes in your services and whatever you have to offer 150% in order to serve other people and have massive impact. So if you think you might need a little coaching, you think you might be a good candidate, let's talk. All you need to do if you want to check out business coaching with me is go ahead and fill out an application. And then from there, if it seems like we're a good fit from each other for each other, then we'll go ahead and schedule a call. So I have a little form for you to fill out. It's just a handful of questions. I think there's five questions on there, maybe six. Um, you could do it in like 10 minutes or so. If you want to think about it for longer, you can take 20 minutes, but it's not like a huge in-depth thing. So you fill out the questions and then I get back to you personally to say like, hey, this sounds like we'd be a great fit or hey, maybe not right now, but maybe down the road or I know someone else who would be a better fit. I've done that before too. Like, hey, this isn't like my area of expertise, but let me refer you out to someone else that I know. So if you go to shamelessmom.com apply, you can go ahead and just fill out that simple application. There's no commitment with the application. It just helps us get a sense of if we might be a good fit for each other. So to fill out the application, all you have to do is go to shamelessmom.com slash coach. That's shamelessmom.com slash coach. Fill out a few questions and then hit submit and we will get back in touch with you. I will personally get back in touch with you and let you know next steps and if we should schedule a call and get the ball rolling. That's shamelessmom.com slash coach. And I think I love that we you said we need to normalize asking for support because I think that's this really crucial piece that's been missing. And as soon as you ask for support, we worry about being perceived as not enough or less than or not as qualified or being high maintenance. And the truth is those being worried about those things are because we have actually been considered those things historically, like that men who in the workplace, men in society have seen women as like, oh my gosh, you have to go breastfeed the baby again. Like that's a legitimate problem in, or you have to go pump again before a meeting. But I think if the more we normalize this and have conversations like what we're having right now, the better it is. And I was actually just pitching myself to this corporation to talk about some of the things we're talking about right now. And they were, I was asking, I said, well, who's going to be in the room for this conversation? Because I said, to be honest with you, I don't think this is going to be surprising information to the moms in the room. But I said, I really feel like the men in your company need to hear what we're talking about. Because while it's nice to have cheerleaders and support around each other that like, oh, yes, this is hard. Do men understand what women, the burden that women are bearing? Because that is a level of responsibility that men in any corporate setting need to have or partners in a household need to have as well. And versus like us versus females being the gatekeepers of all of these things and just adding more and more to our plates without letting anyone know. Absolutely. I heard a great talk about a year and a half ago. Kristen Carvalho, who's the the CEO of the Martin Agency, which is one of the best advertising agencies in the US. It's based here in Richmond. And she was talking about how to create a more equitable workplace. And one of the things she said to all the men in the in the audience, she was like, look, if you're leaving early to go pick up your kids, don't just sneak out the back door. You need to be actively saying, hey, I'm leaving early to <laughs> yes. go pick up the kids. Totally. Because this is how we change the dynamics to organizations where women are mommy tracked or not given opportunities because their kids are a distraction, which is literally what I've heard from people Right. Two, Hey, we need to make sure that 
our culture and our companies allow women to feel supported as moms. And if that means they need to leave early, what we really need is for the men to help us normalize it. We don't need them just to say, cool, go do that. But we need them to be like, hey, I'm leaving early to go to my kid's soccer game or hey, I'm going to take some time to homeschool my kid and work on them at this thing. So I'm not available for that Zoom meeting right now. Can we do it this time? The more that men speak up and also step into those roles, the more it will bring to light that these are like the shared work of life and parenting and it shouldn't default just to women. Totally. Oh my gosh. I love that example. And that reminds me, a good friend of mine is a CEO of a nonprofit. And when she started there, she was the only parent in the company, um, or at least in the kind of upper levels of the company. And she said that she, at the time she had a preschooler and a kindergartner. And she said, I'm intentionally going to leave every Tuesday and Thursday at four o'clock to take my kids to soccer practice. And I'm making like, to your point, I'm not sneaking out the back door. I'm telling everyone like, hey, I leave on Tuesdays and Thursdays to take my kids to soccer because the company culture needs to be that this is what parents in this organization are supported. This is how we support them. Like if you need to leave at four o'clock every Tuesday and Thursday for a kid thing, you can. And that's fully supported and it's not looked down upon and we're not sneaky about it. And also, I mean, I know for her that it wouldn't only be a thing that moms could do, but just having this openness about like, we are whole people. And even at the CEO level, we're still whole people. And so, you know, bringing this back into entrepreneurialism and being an entrepreneur, that we still get to be whole people. And so when I think that we as entrepreneurs, I know that I over this is I've been building businesses for 17 years. And I have to catch myself all the time to be like, no, actually, you're going to not work this like you're intentionally going to not work this weekend. (laughs) Because it's family time this weekend. And I have to pull myself back from that and be like, hold on, no, you're going to actually do puzzles and stay in pajamas and you're not pulling out the laptop. And so I think that we have to really decondition ourselves from one thing and recondition ourselves into having this sense. I'm not going to use the word balance because I don't think it's necessarily balanced, but to have a sense that we get to have multiple identities and we aren't only going to be this hustler employee or business owner. We're also going to be the mom who wears pajamas all day and plays games. Absolutely. And I think this also brings us to the conversation about boundaries, because right now we're at a time where everyone is at home. Like we are all working from home, but that also means we are living at work. And for a lot of people, this culture has been going on ever since the invention of blackberries. If you remember those, (laughs) I hated my BlackBerry, y'all. I wanted to run it over with my car because it made me feel like a leash to the company I was working with. And now it's so normalized that we all have these little handheld computers that we're supposed to check in on nonstop. And this lack of boundaries is burning women out tremendously because we aren't able to compartmentalize the time that we're focused on work or the time that we're focused on our business versus the time that we're focused on our clients. I spend so much time with my clients helping them create boundaries around this because they feel guilty if one of their clients messages them at like 10 o'clock at night and they're not emailing back right away. And I'm like, are you literally laying in bed responding to clients at 10 o'clock at night? This is not okay. We need to normalize. Again, it's about normalizing boundaries and having space for the other aspects of your life. This is going to be so important for any working person, human, who doesn't want to burn themselves out with the feeling that they have to be on call 24-7. Like the only people who need to be on call is like an OBGYN who's catching babies that particular night. And who's being paid for it, by the way. Like you're being paid to be on rounds or on call or whatever it's called. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I tell my clients all the time. I'm like, you're not catching babies today. You don't need to be on call. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, unless you're going to catch a baby, you should not be checking your email today or check answering your phone. I love it. Have you read the book Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagoski? No, but I did listen to an interview they did with, was it with Brene Brown? Yes. Yeah. They just did an interview recently. So good. It's on my list of books to read. But yeah, when they were talking about it, I was like, uh, yes, this is why everybody's so stressed. Renee Brown was like, when they got into the conversation, they 
Brene was asking all these questions and she they're like 40 minutes into the hour long thing. She's like, we haven't even gotten through the introduction of the book. So they literally the hour that you heard of their conversation, I think they got through like page seven or something like they were joking about how there was so much to cover that they could only get this tiny little piece in. So I highly recommend I have the book hard copy, but I actually got it on audio so I could listen to it because I can consume faster that way. And it's so good. And the minute I finished listening to it, I was like, I need to just start it right back over because you like can't possibly absorb all the goodness in one listen. But they talk a ton about burnout. Obviously, it's called burnout. But they talk so much about they call it human giver syndrome, and, which is what women are so susceptible to and how we get so burned out with just giving, giving, giving. And to your point, it is the laying in bed and answering messages and emails and feeling like we need to reply to everything right away. And I have to say, I think one of the gifts of this pandemic has been like normalizing for me, at least in my inbox that like I might not get back to you for till like for four to seven days <laughs> and I don't even feel bad about it. That's just where we're at as a world and where I'm at as a mom, a woman, a business owner. And so like if it's something critical, I'll reply. But like if it's not critical, it's not it used to be like, you know, the auto reply, like I answer emails twice a day and get back to everyone within 24 hours. No, it's four to seven days is where we're at right now. <laughs> and that's OK, because I'm not catching babies. <laughs> Exactly. And I think this is important, again, for us to talk about and normalize because you have this whole community of women who look up to you. And when you model this, it gives them permission to then go do it themselves. And I'm so cognizant and aware of this with the community that I lead with all the women that I'm supporting. I'm like, tell them over and over again, this is what we're doing. I'm telling you so that you can see this being modeled for you. It is okay. (laughs) It is worth it to put some boundaries around your time and your energy. Absolutely. So how do you think the pandemic has amplified hustle culture and maybe even sped up burnout for women? Yeah, I definitely think it has amplified hustle culture. And I actually had an article in the Washington Post I was a contributor for that went viral where I basically said, you don't have to try to write the great American novel during this pandemic. Because (laughs) do you remember back in March and April when this all started and people were like, you said you had this goal to do X, Y, and Z and you didn't have time to do it. Now you do. Why didn't you do it yet? And I'm like, oh my gosh, can we just give people like some time to be human? Why do we have to set these crazy expectations for ourselves that we're supposed to be productive 24 7 365 like that's just not realistic we're not giving ourselves right any grace to deal with the emotional side of this and to hold space for our families who are depending on us or our team who needs us to keep it together so that they can continue to make a livelihood so i think for this pandemic sadly i have seen a lot of women entrepreneurs leave i've seen them decide that it's too much And some of them decided to leave because they really had to prioritize their families first and they were able to leave and do that. And I'm like, cool, leave if that's what you need to do. I also saw a lot of women entrepreneurs leave because their businesses were not structured in a way that could weather the storm, especially in the brick and mortar world. Like they didn't ever have a situation in the past where they would not be able to be open for months at a time or that that model would work for them. I've also seen so many cool stories of resilience and people who were able to pivot and bounce back and come up with a new interesting way to run their business that maybe they never thought of before, but it was the thing that helped them keep it going. Like we've seen so many people come online now that never really did that before, but we're also seeing people just get really creative about how they run their businesses. There's a local business here to me that is, I think what they did was so smart. They're one of those businesses. If you ever went to like a painting party, like go draw, do a painting. Oh, like a paint and sip kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. She had a business where they did all sorts of creative things like that. And in the past they had partnered with like these wineries and breweries around here. You could go do a paint and sip or you could do some sort of really cool craft project. And early on in this whole thing, she was like, you know what? I can't do the paint and sip in person anymore, but what I can do is bundle it all up and then you can join me virtually. I will literally go drop off everything you need at your door and let's have a wine tasting or let's do a cheese and wine pairing class or let's learn how to make these big cozy blanket things. Like she pivoted very quickly to how can I still do this and make it work? And I thought that is so creative and so smart. And so the people who were able to 
get creative and not be so like stuck that it had to be one way. Right. They are the ones who are really doing well. But I do think as far as the pandemic, it's taken a lot of creativity. It's taken a lot of grace. Some businesses were positioned better than others. Some were in amazing industries that just took off. Like if you're providing entertainment for children right now, I hope your business is doing <laughs> incredibly well. Right. Um, if you are teaching, you know, how to homeschool your kids right now, you should be doing pretty well. It's so fascinating that, yeah, one of my former client of mine, her husband works for Netflix. And she was like, when this all first started, she's like, I don't want to like say anything, but like, we're doing pretty well right now. <laughs> Like Netflix is not struggling in this pandemic. This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers. On an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. No, I mean, I have friends who run in businesses that like I have a friend who sells art curriculums and she pivoted in March from selling them to teachers to selling them to parents. Love it. And her business just took off so fast. And it was because she saw, she was like, oh, okay, who's teaching the art now? (laughs) Hey, parents, let me sell to you instead of just to the teachers. So I do think it's a little bit about being creative. I think the hardest part about this with the whole pandemic is now we are in, you know, so many months in that we are through, what did they call it? We're through the period where we've kind of used up all of our reserve tank. Yeah. And I think for some people, when this happened, you know, they either went into fight, flight, freeze, Mm -hmm. freak out. (laughs) And some people could kind of ignore it for a while and just kind of keep powering through. Some people kind of shut down because they couldn't handle how fast things were changing and how many decisions they had to make so fast. But at this point, everybody's kind of powered through that reserve tank that we all had. And now is where it's going to get hard. I anticipate my projection looking forward now that we're getting into the winter months and we're all indoors so much. 
my projection is that people are going to have, if they don't already have the systems and structure in place, they're going to have to like slow down a little bit in order to take care of themselves. On the flip side though, I do project, and this is my total, like Rachel is giving her best estimate of what she thinks will happen. Which I love. I think we're going to see a surge of entrepreneurs in the next year. And the reason I think that is in the 2008 recession, that's when I started my business. And that was a huge surge of people starting their businesses. And again, I think because so many of women have had to leave Mm -hmm. in order to prioritize family, it doesn't mean that they don't want to do something or that their families aren't depending on a second income source. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I think when we look at, you know, the 865,000 women that left the workforce in September alone, we're, we have to assume that many of those women, because I would be one of them, will not be fulfilled by being at home. They're doing that out of necessity and they're going to find another option, but they still need to be at home. And so that I totally agree with you that we're going to see this huge rise in entrepreneur and uh, women building businesses, starting businesses. And I think that that'll be an amazing thing. And I hope that people like you and I have modeled like how to do this in a way that is not exchange where we're stepping, you know, blowing right past entrepreneurial poverty in order to build something that is sustainable and enjoyable and that doesn't lead to hustle and burnout. Yeah. Because what could be really great is that we have all of these women building things that become big and impactful versus a bunch of women starting things and then not being able to keep up with them because they've built things in a way that are not sustainable. They've built things in a way that require too much energy and are just completely overwhelming and they're overgiving constantly on top of overgiving in other capacities in their life. Absolutely. That is my mission is to grow the next generation of businesses where the culture is different, where either one of my twins who are now 10, I have a boy and girl twins, either one of them could go after a job in the same business at the same corporation and have the same level of pay and the same opportunities for growth and the same treatment. Like the only way in my mind that's going to happen is if we start building those businesses now. Right. I do think going into the next year, what might be helpful for anyone listening. If that's the boat you're in, you're kind of like you're everything has shifted. And now you're trying to think of like, what am I going to do next? I am on a hiring spree as are a lot of other businesses like mine. And I am actively looking for smart, amazing women who the traditional employment model did not work for. And they're looking for a really innovative company to work with. I think women who are highly educated and who also are moms are the most underutilized like human capital out there. They're so ready for a great opportunity. So for any business that is hiring or that wants to grow, like we have so many great talented people to choose from now. It's such an amazing opportunity. So keep that in mind too. I don't want to say that entrepreneurship is the path for absolutely everybody, but I will say if you want to work with innovative businesses, there's a lot of us out here that are looking for incredible people to add to our teams. Absolutely. This episode is supported by Bulldog Online Yoga. So I do yoga once a week. That's really literally all the time I invest in a yoga practice and it makes a huge difference. In fact, just this morning, I was noticing my spry flexibility at age 45. (laughs) But on top of doing my yoga workout once a week, which is literally like 20 minutes long, I also have this little stretching routine that I've adopted from doing different yoga classes over the years, some of which I got from Bulldog Online. I have this little stretching routine that I do before every workout and I swear it keeps my hips and knees more nimble. And if you are a woman who's been working out for a while or beat your body up at a certain time in your life, these are necessary things. These are necessary movement patterns and stretches and things we need to do just wake our body up in the morning or before a workout. I joke that like my warm up for my workout is longer than my workout because that just happens when you're 45, like that's what's necessary. Bulldogs streaming online classes are amazing. And here's what I love. When I started out doing yoga years ago, it was a 90 minute class. I did hot yoga. So I was just this disaster of a sweaty mess afterwards. And it felt like such a huge part of my day. 
doing bulldog online yoga from home, I can do in as little as 12 minutes. So their yoga classes are anywhere from 12 to 60 minutes. I don't have to leave my house and it doesn't feel like it takes up like a major chunk of my day or my morning or my afternoon. So I can squeeze it in anywhere. And they have all sorts of varieties. So you can go from a beginner class where you're just doing some gentle stretching and opening all the way up to like a heart pumping, intense athletic workout. And for those of you who've done yoga in the past, you know that like on any given day, you have a different yoga craving and Bulldog Online can help you with that. So I want you to check out Bulldog Online's classes because they're amazing. Their teachers are great. Their music is phenomenal. And I think you'll love it. So they are offering our listeners a free 30-day trial when you go to bulldogonline.com. That's bulldogonline.com. And when you use the code SHAMELESS, you're going to get an additional 50% off your first paid month. That's bulldogonline.com, code SHAMELESS. So two points. So working for a business owner who's a mom, I think, has many, many benefits because you have someone who I think understands and relates to all the hats that a mom wears. And is also like a really fierce leader and has like that mama bear protective energy around her people and the her community and the people that she leads and all that. So I think there's just a lot of powerful and beautiful things about that. And then I also think that women, I think it would be easy for a woman, because I think this is how we're conditioned, it would be easy for a woman to underestimate her skills or value because she's left the workforce and to think of that as like, well, I had to leave and that means I'm not enough. And I'm not saying that this is true. I'm just saying that these are the places that women's brains go. And so like we kind of cut ourselves down over things that were not necessarily failures, but we somehow weirdly deem them to be failures because we've been conditioned to deem a lot of things failures that aren't. And so if we can really look at instead, flip it and look at, oh, wait, because I'm a mom and because I have a unique skill set from being a mom and I'm uniquely qualified to do things because I'm basically like could create a Middle Eastern peace treaty with the negotiations I do just alone with my like, you know, two kids in my household every day that I am extremely, if not overly qualified for many of the roles out there yes, and especially in flexible positions and flexible positions. There's so many people like you and me, Rachel, who are like, I want to hire someone, but for like, you know, 20, 30 hours a week, I don't need a nine to five. I don't need a 40 hours a week. I want like a few hours here, a few hours there. There's so many opportunities for things like that, that work perfectly for someone who is needing to also be at home and support distance learning and those kinds of things. Absolutely. I have a friend who I've known for years and she was a music teacher for 16 years. And this summer she reached out to me and she said, Rach, I don't think I want to go back to school. They're not really telling us what's going to happen. Do you think I could make it as a virtual assistant? Cause she had heard about this idea of a virtual assistant. And I was like, yeah, you could definitely do that. Well, within three months of her deciding to do that, she brought on like six or seven clients and she came to me not too long ago. And she said, Rach, I make more money now as a virtual assistant than I did as a school teacher for 16 years. And I'm able to hang out with my two kids while they're distance learning. And I just work on the stuff for my clients a few hours every day in the afternoon. And I was like, that is a life changer right there. And I didn't realize like how many skills I had as a teacher, but I'm really organized. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you ran an entire orchestra program with like a hundred and something kids. Oh my gosh, a teacher who's also a mom is like the perfect program, project manager, program manager, like any of those things. I was like, these are your skill sets. They're totally transferable. And she was like, I just didn't think about it. And I was like, right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You, everything you were doing is so transferable and she's so happy. And it makes me really excited for their future as a family because like this was an opportunity to take something and figure out how she could make it work for her life and her family and still contribute, but not at the expense of, you know, their family needs or her needs as a whole human, they were able to really make it work. So I think that's the opportunity coming is that we're all going to start thinking about things differently. We're going to, the nature of work is changing rapidly right now. Like we're actually creating what the new nature of work is going to be. And it's going to be flexible And a lot of the excuses companies had about why they couldn't give people flex time or like let them work from home or any, like we're breaking all those things down. Mm -hmm. So if you're wanting to change the way you're doing things, whether it's build your own business or work for other people, like think about what you actually want for yourself first. And then there's a path forward. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about being the breadwinner 
because you are the breadwinner in your household. And I want to talk about how what that looks like and maybe challenges around that, because this is another thing that I think is going to happen is that women are going to increasingly be the breadwinners. I think that we're going to see, I have the sense of awareness around all of these women have left the workforce. And I hope that we have this overwhelming sense that that is not okay, that it's been so polarizing in one direction that like a parent had to leave work and that that was so overwhelmingly the mother. And then we're going to have women building businesses. And over time, I think we're going to see this really big shift around women becoming breadwinners. I also think that there's just increased awareness. And I think our new administration is going to prove this over time, increased awareness that women need to be in leadership, women need to be in high paying roles, and we need to be making space for women in those roles and with equal pay. And so we're going to see more and more women in that breadwinner role. Can you talk about what that has been like for you and then also what challenges maybe have come up or what that's looked like between you and your husband and gender roles in your household? Oh, yeah. Well, my husband, Jameson, left his job. He was a public school teacher, taught seventh grade English for a decade. And after our youngest son was born, we decided that he was going to come home. And he has been now the primary parent, default parent. (laughs) He took over that role since 2014. And that means I've not only been the primary breadwinner, I've been the only breadwinner. So we have navigated that. And I will have to say, like, this is not an easy transition. It was a hard transition for us. At first, we thought he would work with me in the business. But then we just realized, like, nope, we can't be married and work together at the same time. It was too hard feeling like I was both his boss and his wife. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. And I think some couples manage to do that really well if they have skill sets that really work in the business. But he was a school teacher and really wasn't wanting to get that super involved in the business. So for us, we have navigated the last six years of this arrangement (laughs) with a lot of patience and a lot of grace and the help of a great therapist. I will not even lie. I'm so glad that you put that out there. This is like back to what we talked about earlier about transparency around like if the dad's leaving to take the kids to soccer. Yes. That needs to be said as well. (laughs) Like, here's how we're making it work. We're going to therapy. (laughs) And I will tell you like the most supportive man on the planet there. Literally, if you were to read our wedding vows, there's a line he put into his to me, which said, I will support your ambition. Mm. This is a man who came into this marriage knowing exactly who he was marrying, cheering me on every step of the way, really being there for me no matter what. And even though he was like the most feminist husband on the planet, he still had some challenges to overcome. Like it was a huge identity shift for him to be home and be the primary breadwinner because, or the primary caregiver. So that was a huge part of it. And then we had to redefine, okay, what does it look like if you're the primary parent at home and I'm the breadwinner? How do we still have a division of labor at home? Yeah. How do we make sure that it's still equal? Because what I really didn't want is you know, if we just flip those roles and then suddenly he's getting resentful that I'm never helping out around the house. Right. You know, like we don't want that dynamic either. So I will say it's an ongoing process. We decided that we just needed to be really honest about where each other's strengths were and get support where we needed it. So there's a lot of things that he runs day to day that he's great with like the daily grind stuff you know, kind of handling the kids and getting them through their homeschool stuff and keeping the household running. But things that would start to fall through the cracks, like getting ahead on meal planning or making sure all the bills were handled, like we had to automate some of that stuff. Mm. And I think that was the first area I was like, look, we have things we need some support with. Cool. What can we automate? We can automate, put all of the bills on auto pay. We can set a day once a quarter where we're going through like, does anybody need doctor's appointments or dentist appointments or cars need to go in for maintenance. Like we just kind of run through a checklist. Like I'm very systems oriented. So that is what I can do. I can put a system in place and simplify that. And even things around the house, like he didn't want to have to be cleaning on top of picking up after three children when we're all living here in a pandemic. Plus we have two cats and a dog. So he shouldn't have to be the full-time housekeeper for that. So we hired somebody. He still gets some support with that. He shouldn't have to make meals every single night just because I'm working. So we divide and conquer and we have a meal delivery service. Nice. I love it. I think the big misconception is that if you're, you know, in non-traditional roles, then 
it should just be like how everybody does it. And I'm like, but nobody likes that. It, well, and there's also, I think there's a perception that like, there's always one parent that just does it all. And so if you flip roles, if you flip the traditional roles that then like the opposite parent, so the dad does it all. And I love that you're like, so we flipped roles and neither of us do it all. Like that's not a role in our household where one person does it all or one person's the gatekeeper or one person's the default. I mean, the, he might be the default for like the kids daily things or whatever, but like in terms of all the things, that's not a thing. <laughs> and I think that's really, really important. I love that. Well, I think again, it comes back to being intentional and my kids are thankfully old enough now where they are able to help out a lot. You know, they're 10, 10 and seven. There's a lot of stuff they can do to keep our household running as smoothly as possible. And that is how they earn their screen time. <laughs> so they're very motivated. They're very motivated. We have a little like command central in our kitchen where everybody has a clipboard and it has their list of things they're responsible for. I have a clipboard. Jameson has a clipboard. All three of our kids have a clipboard. And every day we go through that clipboard, like who's responsible for what? And the kids have to do their part too in order to get their screen time. And then they have bonus things they can do, you know, for play money or whatever. Oh my gosh. Everyone listening to this is like ordering clipboards on Amazon right now. <laughs> I love this idea. I love the clipboard idea, but I also love this visual representation that everyone has a list versus it just being like, well, mom has a list. And then every once in a while, she tells some people to do some things. <laughs> Yeah, I think play to your strengths when it comes to this. And my husband is the most fun. Like he brings the fun. Mm -hmm. He is so easygoing and loves to have a good time. He's very creative. I honestly think he's better parent than I am most days because he just he's the type that will get out there and ride bikes and play soccer and do all the things. And I'm just like, you want to read a book next to me on the sofa? Oh my God, that's me. I'm like, can we just color? <laughs> can we just hang out? <laughs> right. But we know that about each other. And so we play to our strengths. And I think that's a big part of it. The other thing is we're just willing to ask for help when we get stuck. I think one of the smartest things we did at the beginning, this whole pandemic, like we've had a great therapist who we've worked with for years. But at the beginning of this pandemic, I reached out to her and we were like, we want you on the calendar every other week mm -hmm. because not only are we trying to manage running our household, but I'm like supporting all of these clients. And when you're in a, a role like that, like you need to get your own support. You need emotional support somewhere. And I think that's important. Like, and he needed it too. He needed some emotional support because we had gotten so used to the whole, you know, kids get dropped off at school and then suddenly they're all at home. And having that has been a game changer having that place where we can go and talk through things both individually. And then we ha can have conversations together when we're trying to navigate how we're doing it. But just now going into like, if you're in that boat, <laughs> your husband's going to come be kind of more engaged with family and life and stuff. Everybody needs to find their own way to do that, but really lean into your strengths and find a place where you can have those conversations. Cause it's not going to be like you figure it out in one talk. It's going to be like an ongoing, evolving, always kind of tweaking and adjusting how things go. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. So many nuggets are coming out of this conversation. I love it. Okay. We are close on time here. So I want to know in one sentence, how are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? How am I currently showing up as a shameless mom? I am. I mean, you gave us a lot of examples, but you want to give another one or... <laughs> I'm really letting my kids right now lean into their interests. I am looking at this year as what a beautiful opportunity to let them lead us in what they want to learn about and what they're curious about and explore their interests. Since we're not on any specific track that a, you know, a school has given us this year. And it's been so cool. I mean, my kids are doing things that I didn't like creating YouTube channels and doing stop motion videos and so cool building things and learning how to cook. Like we're just letting them kind of lead the way nice. and explore the things they're interested in. And it turns out they're just like really cool kids. <laughs> like, how did we do this? How did we make these cool kids? I love it. I'm like, I got a whole American girl stop motion video going up on YouTube soon. Oh my gosh. So good. So good. So cute. And I'm just like, how did she come up with this idea? This is so cool. <laughs> I love it. That's my son in Legos. I'm like, how did you get a brain that works this well? So cool. Uh, oh my gosh. Rachel, you, this has been so great. This has been so informational and 
inspirational and I know aspirational for many women. I know many of our listeners now have really strong ideas and thoughts and hope around where they can see things going in 2021. So thank you so much for that. Can you tell people where they can find you, connect with you, learn more from you, um, all those good things? Yes. Well, first, if you enjoyed our conversation, please take a screenshot and post it on Instagram. Tag me at rachel.cook. Tag Sarah. Yes. Um, Look at you. You're such a great interviewee. I love it. (laughs) Yes. We want to talk with you. Like, I want to hear what your insights were or what you're taking away or any questions you might have. Instagram is my favorite place to hang out. So that's where I would really love to connect. But of course, you can find more about me and my work at my website, rachelcook.com. Perfect. So we will link all that up in the show notes. If you go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Rachel Cook, and then people can click through to find you in any of those places. This has been so great, Rachel. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so very much. Before I let you go, two quick things. First thing, don't forget, if you want to look into business and leadership coaching, you can go fill out a coaching application by going to shamelessmom.com slash coach. And second thing, we have set up an ask me anything form. I have been wanting to do this for like a year and it just kept getting like bumped to the bottom of the list because of, you know, time, life, COVID, <laughs> etc. But I'm going to start doing ask me anything episodes where you get to ask me anything. And so if you want to submit a question, it can be around motherhood, it can be around business stuff, it can be around mindset, it can be around I don't know, running a marathon, (laughs) it can be around whatever you want to ask me, no holds bar here. So if you want to ask a question and then have that question answered in an episode of the Shameless Mom Academy, Ask Me Anything, go ahead and go to shamelessmom.com slash ask and you can submit your question. You can submit it anonymously or with your name, whatever you feel most comfortable with. That's shamelessmom.com slash ask. And I might just answer one of your burning questions on an upcoming Ask Me Anything episode. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.